my favorite was probably the uh, the Vance Joy Riptide part where all my friends are turning green and it's all of them being infected and just going after the one dude at the end. Those videos are always so much fun. That's a good way to start a podcast. I don't know what happened there. What's who's turning green? So my friends. In, friends. in their HMV Hell video for Halo Five, huh? they have uh, they have like a they have clips of different songs, and it's like playing Halo stuff in the background mm-hmm. to it. There's one that's a song that's uh, Vance Joy's Riptide, and it's oh. infected, and it's a bunch of people turning green with the green armor. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, what is happening green. right now? Okay, I got you. I was like, I don't know what you were talking about, but we're gonna jump on in, man. Let's get in here. You guys ready? Heck yeah. Let's do it. All right. Everybody, welcome to the Lesson Average Podcast. I am Leveled AF. My co-host is Ion Yeet below me. Uh, we've got two people on today. We've got Joe, aka Chromagon. Uh, we also have uh, X Travada X, aka Travada or Trove, the pirate lord herself. Um, ready to rock and roll, man. So welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here. We're pretty it's pretty easy going, man. Uh we say this to every guest that comes on. It's dude, those two hours are gonna fly right by, man. They're gone. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit of a fanboy right now. I'm really looking forward to talking uh about some esports, dude. Cause I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what it's like to run esports. I have no idea about anything. We're just normal dudes. Yes, <laughs> we are normal dudes. And all that. It's an exciting landscape that's uh, it's, it's growing. It's growing fast and uh, we're just trying to make our mark and uh, ride that train into the future. Oh, dude. Well, I've got to show some of this stuff. So uh, for everybody who's watching the podcast right now on YouTube, uh, you'll notice we have a new screen that we're using to kind of start showing other people's screens for the first time. So we're going to try that out in a little bit. Uh, but I can't wait for you guys to see like Joe's stuff that he's created is Mind, like the production value is I don't even know how to describe it. it's just amazing there's no no easy way of putting it man like I don't I couldn't make that if there was a gun pointed at my head they'd be like make that and I'd be like nah just shoot me I'm fucking dead we well, gotta think there's a production a production team not just him I'm assuming yeah no we we have a, a team of very talented people that uh, make this magic happen uh, as far as the visuals and the, and the design go that is my co-creator uh, Heath edge of elysium shout and, out to uh, he's he's really the one that uh kind of got us to where we are right now and uh joined uh me and my uh grand vision of uh creating a platform for sea of thieves and just kind of giving that that same high adrenaline feel that all of the large esports events deliver uh and right. a compact package that the whole community can get involved in and uh i, I approached and i was like hey you know i i we we just won that recent event uh actually let's go back a step yeah we uh we we went to orlando uh 2019 for guardian con and uh you know i volunteer for guardian con i've been a big part of that or i've been working with them for many years Mm -hmm. to help them you know uh you know and their goals to to raise funds for saint jude it's a great cause it's a great event uh it's very exciting to see them grow uh over the years and uh and that year, Rare had uh, announced that uh, they were coming to Guardian Con, bringing Sea of Thieves with them, and uh, they were going to be hosting an arena tournament, and the winner was going to walk away with uh, Golden Xbox One uh, X. Ooh, nice. all right, all right. It was a very last-minute announcement. It was literally a month before 
uh, the event was supposed to take place. Dang. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, heck, you know, I'm I'm already going to be there. Uh, and now one of my favorite games is going to be there. And it's not often you get an opportunity to participate in like an esports event, you know, right. like a top shelf official event with, uh, you know, a prize of that caliber. So uh, I reached out to Heath and I was like, hey, if I can throw a team together, can you get to Orlando? And uh, he's like, heck, yeah, let's do this. So uh, I found myself mm-hmm. two other buds from the Sea of Thieves community uh gunny and uh burger warrior uh two great content creators from the directory shout and, out to those two yeah and uh we, we assembled uh the team probably about two days before the event and uh we showed up all, all jacked up and excited you know the, the convention in and of itself has this high energy uh, yeah. so cool to feel because you know everyone around you has that same passion the same hobbies as you so you could just literally pull anybody to the side to start talking about video games talking about the industry yeah and uh, I've, n- I've never found anywhere else that uh you know kind of has that same vibe that same feeling so the energy in the room was was thrilling uh that friday we showed up did the qualifiers chopped through the uh, opposition with a uh, little issue of course uh being our 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 experienced pirate selves oh badass selves yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Heath had actually not uh, booked a hotel room because uh, he wasn't actually oh. originally expecting to go to the event. We had other friends that were going to be on our crew that oh kind of booked the crew. Oh. And so literally, like I said, two days before the event, he was like, I don't know if this is actually going to work out. So I'm, he's, he wasn't going to you know reserve a room uh, till he found out if you know we we're actually going to be going through to the finals or whatever. Right. And so Friday comes around, we get through the qualifiers. So the Saturday event was going to be the semifinals rolling into the finals. So he ended up uh, bunking in my room. He didn't even get his own room. So he's yeah. bumming off me. And uh, Saturday rolls through. And <laughs> I think it was like 4 p.m. The finals took place. And our hearts are pounding. We're sweating. I believe it. There were so many technical issues on the floor. You know, God bless uh, Rare and the production crew with Guardian Con. But just the equipment was not playing nice. We couldn't hear our teammates in our, oh, our head. No. <laughs> and, and how they had it set up, too, was... Uh, uh, three crewmates were out at the Sea of Thieves booth, which was on the other side of the floor, while each of our captains were up on the main stage sitting next to each other. So we had no way to communicate with our captain at the time for a large portion of the event. So, uh, yeah, it, it, we're pulling out our phones in our pocket like, you know, we can, we can pull Discord up on our phone yeah. if we need to and just like, be on the phone the whole time. And uh, so it, it ended up working out. We got communication through, and uh, yeah, we, we won. It was it was a very close yeah. spot uh, with a lot of a lot of cool see these creators there uh, participating. So uh, you yeah, know, we walked away with the gold next boxes, and you know, just that adrenaline filled two days of uh, playing see these. We walked away, you know, obviously having great conversations with the developers at the time, getting to know them better, getting to know. Um, you know, what their plans were for the game, the mode, and uh, where everything was going. So we all go home, and uh, I'm talking to Heath. It's like, man, that was such a cool feeling. You know, I, I, want, I want that feeling again. Not only do I want that feeling again, I want to share that feeling with the whole community. Right. You know, everyone all over the world, 98% of people can't either afford or justify traveling across the world, across the country to go to these events. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm trying to leverage Heath. It's like, dude, your, your design, your graphics, you can do that level of esports design. Mm. Like, we can make this happen. 
So uh, he agreed, and uh, I put together, you know, a proposal as I do. I'm I'm kind of like the uh, the operations and business guy gotcha. of uh, Stats Effect. So I put together the uh, put together the initial proposal, sent it off to Rare, and as you do, you're like, you know what? I'm shooting my shot. It's very likely they won't even read the email. It's very likely right. they've got other things going on, other directions they're planning on going. And uh, I kid you not, one day later, <laughs> I got a positive response from Rare, and they're like, "We love this. What can we do to help you?" Oh, that's so How cool! Can we make this happen, and uh, that that began the journey of Sea of Champions. And uh, that first month was uh, Heath animating our logo. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, the video's out there somewhere on Twitter, but uh, the Sea of Champions logo with the skull, the, the wheel spins, mm -hmm. the letters fall into place. And uh, and that was the initial vision of Sea of Champions was creating, uh, you know, impressive branding that made it feel like it was legitimate, that it was of the same caliber as the game itself. So that, you know, we wanted to make a statement. We, we didn't want to just appear to be just some joe schmoes right they're doing their own little hobby project ever we dandy yeah. <laughs> we want to let people know that like hey this is legitimate this is something that uh we hope you all can get excited in and uh you're gonna feel those same thrills as a large-scale event uh within the community so we started running with it the the community was highly receptive and months went by Again, the the community, our community grew. The you know, Sea of Thieves competitive community grew, not just because of ourselves. You know, there's there's many other uh, competitive events out there. You got the Notorious Arena League and Race mm. of Legends, who had been in the scene already, doing amazing work. And uh, you know, it was really nice to uh, open up that dialogue with them and kind of understand um, you know where they were headed because we didn't want to step on base toe. Right. We wanted to do something unique to ourselves, which also complemented and empowered what they were doing. You know, uh, uh, a rising tide raises all ships uh, kind true. of mindset. Yeah. So uh, well, if you can it, add that value to the, the the community itself and kind of give it a direction and give it that polish. You know, I mean, the first time I went to one of your streams for see you know, for the Sea of Champions, I was like, holy shit. Like, I thought you guys were at an arena. Like, I that's like my first thought. I was like, you guys must be. Like this is an arena thing. Like oh, Travada, I think you invited me, right? Travada, I think probably yeah. Yeah, you were yeah. you were using. I think how you guys have worked it. And correct me if I'm wrong. You were using at the time. Travada was like a like a camera, like following the action. Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one of the experimental action assault. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, yeah. this is so because you're just like going back and forth between these cameras, and at one time some yep. guy was like trying to climb the mast and like jumping off, and like you just see like the person like just following the camera going down. <laughs> I was like, what is happening right now? But it was awesome. Like the production values that you have, shoutcasters. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know or is listening on Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts right now, dude, just. I highly recommend you watch some of these replays and some of the stuff. I mean, it's the production value. It's I cannot describe it with words what what is there. It's insane. I mean, I, I felt bad like, oh, we're gonna invite this guy on the podcast. Like, he's gonna look at my little graphics. And be like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, man. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but content. I'm sorry to cut you off. So, so no. you've you started to see if they have champions, um, and then I saw that you're moving into the. Rainbow Six Siege, like where, where did that, how did that transition happen? What's going on with that? Like, kind of how how did that uh, path open up for you? It's two very like-minded communities. Oh, they may be on separate planes of like 
pirates free roam do your own thing versus a cs like angle shooter game but the how the communities project like themselves and how they want to focus are pretty similar if you look at them i mean there's definitely yeah, i mean i'd say that that's a very unified uh competitive mindset you know everyone that's out there that is uh, striving to improve their own skills and abilities and showcase it at any level um you know you see a lot of similarities and uh yeah i, I would agree there's a lot of similarities uh with rainbow six sea of thieves uh, you could probably dig in there and find similarities with uh, League of Legends and uh, and, uh, and pretty much any competitive game. Right. But uh, how how we got there, uh, I guess we could take a step back and talk about uh, why status effect came to be a thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we're going through Sea of Champions, we realized, you know, not only are we incredibly passionate about this, and we love to see the positive response from the community and provide a platform for the community to uh enjoy this level of competition and and that's the thing too is like we're we're targeting to reach all levels of skill out there we're not looking for just the diehard players we're looking to get casual players and diehard players and everyone in between and we've had so many success stories where uh you know there's creators and community members out there that have came come to us and told us like we've never competed before we've never played games competitively but the way that Sea of Champions was presented, uh, they felt comfortable to approach it and to take a chance. And they walked away thrilled with the experience. We've had repeat uh, competitors come back with those same stories. And now they're out there climbing the ranks. Sometimes, uh, you know, they're, they're winning these events and walking away with uh, the grand prize of the Sea of Champions sales. So we, uh, we realized that uh, our team was very talented in the direction that we were headed. And at this time, we had brought on uh, two more core members. Uh, one of them is actually in uh, chat right now, Lero Lake, uh, who actually posted. Hi, Lero. What's up, Lero? He posted the original uh, logo reveal oh, video that I was mentioning. Uh, Lero is our systems developer, uh, our, our tech director. Uh, he's the one that created uh, the registration systems on the website. Uh, most of the overlays that you see that include any amount of data in it, he's created it. Uh, he's integrated it within Heath's design. And, and that's the thing that we're really proud about is that we blended, um, you know, static animations together with uh, live data. Yeah. So, you know, for our scoreboards and the player overlays and all that. Uh, which you know was was a challenge to uh, uh, tackle originally, and uh, so we wanted to make this our, our our jobs. Honestly, we wanted to make a career out of this. We wanted to uplift the the team that had volunteered and made Sea uh, of Champions what it was, and uh, you know create an environment that you know could sustain us for the future. And uh, so we came up with Stats Effect, and our goal with that was to continue with Sea of Thieves, continue right. with Sea of Champions but to uh, approach the rest of the industry with a similar mindset of inclusion uh, and innovation. You know, we want to make it so that, you know, Rainbow Six or Counter-Strike, uh, Valorant, you know, all, all those games potentially uh, everyone can get involved in in a way that feels like it is the upper echelon of esports. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, as we expanded and grew ourselves and started looking at other games, 
We had uh, other individuals approach us, uh, staff members that started building connections uh, within other, you know, ask, you know, locations of the industry and we had the unique opportunity to uh, get in contact with the charity the prince's trust yep uh who were thrilled at the idea of a um highly produced uh charity experience which really hadn't been done before for them mm -hmm. and uh and i think even, today right uh, ending yeah, so today it's yeah, ending right. today so yeah, if you yeah. go to phoenix.statuseffect.co uh, right now, every uh, five pounds donated is a raffle ticket uh, to get entered in to win your choice of a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox uh, Series X, which is very exciting. Yep. I and, believe uh, Lev and I both dabbled in that. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, yeah, I might yeah. put a little money that. in there. Just a little <laughs> tiny bit. <laughs> I may or may not want a PS5. I'm just saying. You know? Maybe. May not, may I mean, may who not. wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Uh, yeah, this, this console yeah. generation was a huge leap in hardware capability. Oh, absolutely. I feel like this is the first time that consoles are now... Uh, kind of parallel with uh pcs you they're know. turning the corner but they're not yearly yet they're, they're getting there it, it, they're getting there been, way closer than this close. way closer yeah it's never been this close 60 fps and an ssd helps but it ain't 120 or 144 yet that's true but that's <laughs> soon wrong. that's soon right, i'm gonna actually yeah. i'm gonna take that i'm gonna actually take that uh segue we're gonna go over to the screen hopefully it doesn't blow up it didn't. It didn't blow up. But, hey. Uh, hey, it didn't blow up. All right. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. So that's always good. So um, if you see above us, we have the screen. Uh, this is for the Princess Trust uh, giveaway. You guys are so close. You're almost, almost at 3,000. You're on. almost there. Throw those in. <laughs> it's so close. So if you guys are, are watching right now or if you're listening, you're probably going to miss it. But I posted on my Twitter and I posted it everywhere as much as I possibly can. So today is the end of the day. So go, please go give that uh, before we go off the screen. I have to show off Sea of Champions. And my favorite thing about this website is if you look at this, just this website production, I spent the first 10 minutes of my day today doing this just back and forth. Just I couldn't help myself. It just <laughs> looks so good. <laughs> But this is the production value that uh, that Joe is talking about here. That this you guys have basically taken a production team of fifty people and you've done it amongst what? How many people are on the the status quo? Like how many people are on your team? So, so status effect itself, uh, as far as the productions go, it's four people uh, currently. Uh, we do have a handful of four? volunteers that four. Yeah, as far as the productions themselves, like the visuals and the systems behind that, that's four people. We do have a team of incredible volunteers. Travada is one of them, and she's actually one of our uh, our lead volunteers, uh, kind of our event managers that help organize and make sure uh, the contestants are going where they need to be. Uh, everyone has the permissions that they need uh, come event days, so we, we could not do it without them, and especially with how uh, the Sea of Thieves private servers work. Mm. Um, it's very rudimentary right now. Uh, again, when we first got involved with uh, with Rare, we were the first ones in the door that had access to this system. Right. And uh, they 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 told us like, hey, uh, do you mind being our guinea pigs? Not not in so much so right. not in so many words, but uh, we've uh, we've we've shoehorned some systems together, and this works. And here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it requires. Um, some decent manpower to make sure that it uh you know it works uh during the event uh and the cool thing is since we got in on the ground floor with with rare and sea of thieves 
uh, we've had the opportunity to give them our feedback, kind of consult on where we would like the game to go uh, in a competitive format. What tools do we need to really take this to the next level? And uh, and they've been uh, highly receptive of all that. They, they're an absolutely phenomenal team to uh, communicate with and uh, have the support of. And some some really cool things are coming that's in the awesome. future. That's yeah. I mean, that's always nice to hear that a video game creators are so open to the idea of like people using their game for whatever the case. In this case, obviously, see if champions, you know what I mean? And but it, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it could just as easily have been you, you pitch this idea and they would have been like, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah. But you know, like it, you would have been dead in the water. But I feel like with your production team, though, you could take this the same. You guys have built how I think about it. Let me backtrack. I think about it like you built a kind of like a like a template that you can apply to so many games now. If you mm -hmm. could take this same production value and bring it to Valorant, um, in the in the same not just production value but the ideals, like that's one of the biggest things. Um, coming from Halo, I know you've played Halo in the past too, but you know as well as I do that the, the Halo competitive scene is not only very toxic, but it's also very competitive. And it's it's such a high bar that it's it's even if you feel like you're good at the game, there's always somebody that's better. <laughs> and those people who go to those competitions are on another level. So it feels like you shouldn't yeah. you don't even want to enter. There's no point. You know, it makes you feel like you don't have a chance in hell. I feel so like that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about Status Effect and Sea of Champions and the way that it was set out is that it it felt like to me that it always strived to be an equal opportunity competition. So anyone can come in and say, you know what, I want to try to be in a competition. It doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are or how often you play. It's a matter of getting that opportunity to get in there and play and show your skill level or improve on your skill level. And even like with the last event, we had somebody that came in and Joe made him cry. <laughs> oh, what? oh, okay. You can't just say that and not expand. Okay, now you got to expand on that. Um, but but yeah, they came back like they they missed an opportunity to, in the beginning, and then they came back later on after having gone and like you know fine tuned their skills and came back and won the last event. And I just like that doesn't happen in a lot of competitive scenes. No, uh, that, that was actually one of uh, my favorite moments in, uh, from Sea of Champions so far. Uh, if anybody wants to go back and watch the end of our last event, uh, we always do a champion interview uh, talking with uh, the winners. And they had one of the uh, most heartfelt uh, discussions that took place. It was one of the easiest interviews ever because they just ran with it. And our, our on-air talent had didn't have to really give too much input right. but it was just they 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 were really uh passionate about their journey they had actually met through sea of champions originally mm -hmm. and uh like travada mentioned they they missed an opportunity at the time to uh kind of get into the finals and uh and and win and they they took that as a opportunity to learn and grow uh to build their communications as a team and uh they went on to to win our, our last event uh, who are, uh, who it, are it, they? Before we move forward, I want to give them a shout out on, on camera while we can. Uh, that was uh, the crew captained by uh, Gilly Gilly. Gilly. Yeah. Shout out Gilly oh, Gilly. Man. Gilly Gilly squad making people cry, man. All right, we'll continue. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just wanted to make sure we got them on there. It was one of the most heartfelt interviews I think that we've had at all. Yeah. It was very, oh yeah, very without amazing. a doubt, without a doubt, and that's just a testament to the content that you're creating. You're you're making a space for people that can uh, feel like they're not only a part of a uh, a crew, and they're not only part of this this uh, this league, but on top of that, they're able to grow within the league and then come back to win something. I mean, that just shows that's 
that's what a lot of current things are missing. And especially, are you doing this all online? Are you doing anything physically at a physical location, or is this all no. COVID online? makes that hard? So yeah, with yeah. with COVID, but uh, no, our yeah. our platform was built initially to be uh, primarily online. Uh, like I mentioned, we we wanted to reach the entire community, regardless of your location in the world. And there's the only way to do that is to uh, create an online event like this. Um, we're not going to rule out uh, physical events in the distant future once uh, the world becomes a safer place. Right. But uh, yeah, right now it's it's completely online. Yeah, that's awesome though. I mean, you guys have done like I said, I've when you said four people made all this, uh, um, I was guessing fifty, but you know, four is <laughs> four is so fifty. Fifty is amazing, but four is like with fifty people. Yeah, I was like four people. You made all of this with four people, like. Did you guys get to baseline any events on land before COVID or is this like, has this ball only been rolling since COVID? Uh, this ball has been rolling uh, a few months before COVID. Uh, so when we got started, you know, it, we still had access to do physical events, but um, no, uh, we we created an entirely online platform at the perfect time. That's uh, awesome. Because COVID rolled around months later, and it, we noticed that all these other you know large corporations within the esports industry were all of a sudden halted. All of their events were canceled. You know, yeah. and we were continuing on like nothing was going on because we had already built that infrastructure to uh, facilitate these kind of events. And that's where we've kind of had a lot of our success too. Is you know we're reaching out to sponsors and partners and showcasing. Uh, the capabilities that we have, not only in our production, but our uh, registration infrastructure, uh, the organization that goes into this event, uh, you know, the player management and showing that, you know, we, we haven't been interrupted by this and we're you know, almost stronger as a team because of these systems in place. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. you know, that that's opened up a lot of doors for communication uh, for things that we've already done, uh, things that will be taking place uh, over the next uh, couple months and uh yeah very exciting stuff no it's fantastic and that's a cool start and so why so i know that sea of thieves and trivada please correct me if i'm wrong because i've only played sea of thieves a little bit trivada knows i'm a pvp guy i just i like first person shooters if there's a boat i'm running over there i'm trying to stab them that's just all i do that's all i do in that yeah. game me and picking up skulls and ch i'm like I don't care about that. Like, it's not for me. I don't care. So, uh, but, you know, I always thought of Sea of Thieves as kind of like more of a relaxing game. Like, you get on, you log on, you get a pirate, you get your boat, and you just, you go. It's kind of open sandbox. So, what gave you the idea? Was there already a community in Sea of Thieves that was being competitive? I know there's a PvP scene, but how did you think, think of Sea of Thieves to get competitive? I think Sea of Thieves has like a very distinct, several very distinct sets of communities. One okay. of those being the PvP community, and then there's that more relaxed uh, community that just kind of wants to go around and enjoy the ambience. And and mm -hmm. that's yeah. the PvP community is very very intense and tight knit in Sea of Thieves. And there are actually a couple of like you know subsections of that if you really wanted to get down into it. Um, and some of those some of those players are just like high level pvp players um that i like i was reading a conversation last night and and 
one of the comments was even the highest PvP players that I know are still grinding the PvE because they want that aspect of it as well. So it's kind of like yeah. this combined desire to do both. And I think it's that... nice to break up the monotony of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think we're yeah. seeing a lot of games right now are coming out with that similar model where it's not just PvP, you're having a PvE side of things too. I mean, Destiny mm -hmm. is a, we always talk about Destiny. And we'll, we're not, I'm not going to beat that thing to the ground today. Broken record. I'm not going to beat that. We're going to leave that dead horse over there for right now um, nerds. i know right i know <laughs> but that game but just that similar style of game where um it's very rare to find rpg only games nowadays i think we can all agree even most rpg single player games have a aspect of multiplayer it's just kind of how it rolls but sea of thieves to me has always been this unique this you just very unique game in itself you've like Travada was saying you've got this pvp community some people who just like to pve the craziest thing for anybody who doesn't know anything about sea of thieves like myself um there's a flag system and if you and correct me the if you, if you system, put yeah. some flags up it says you want to pvp and if you put some yeah. other flags up it says i don't want to pvp i'm just doing my thing and All people respect that <laughs> and people respect that yeah, for the most part <laughs> i was like wait a second because if i was playing that game i would just shoot any boat i saw ever period that is, that is what you've done um i, I, I think I mean, these did a really interesting job of creating the emissary system where there is like each faction has its own flag that you can represent and earn money for and then there's that one faction that is designed to earn more by sinking other ships and stealing their shit that's and me so me. like mm -hmm. yeah and that's you yeah um so and they and they do that in the adventure mode so it kind of brings that extra there's always been pvp in the adventure mode and people complain about that and some people don't like it at all and other people are like hey you know the game is literally built on player interaction and some yeah. of that role playing and and some of that like you, you need to run across other pirates because pve alone is kind of boring yeah <laughs> like i'll even say that so you have to have that aspect of like oh is somebody is this person going to come after me and if they're flying that one flag you can almost guarantee they're going to come after you <laughs> well it's you know i mean i feel like the game is all about shenanigans half the time but you can also be you can also be pvp lord if you want and i think another game that's just like that is um uh division two they did a great job with dark zone you've got the yep. zone that's pve and then you have these dedicated zones where it's player versus player interaction but there's also there's just like sea of thieves there's like scale you know that would be skeletons well there's there's also you know enemies that you can fight within the dark zone to get gear but it's always that sense of like you might turn a corner might get shit on and there's nothing you can do about it and they might just take all your stuff and you're like oh god <laughs> you know there's something to that feeling of like i don't want i know i have to be here because i want this gear I'm like, I might get sent, you know, and see if these, I'm like, I might get sunk and my, all my stuff's gone. You know, there's all nothing you can do. Gone. Or a Megalodon might come out of nowhere when you're fighting somebody and you're <laughs> like, like that happened to us. You know? <laughs> that wasn't that fun. That was one of my favorite moments. Was <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> and I'm like harpooning a Meg. We're going for a ride. <laughs> yeah. That's very it's unique. Feeling is having that that sense that you can lose it all, but when you turn it in, you you have that sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. that you've you know persevered through you know potential conflict and challenges out there, and you've earned this. You've built yes. your character, and your character reflects 
all that you've been through. And that's the nice thing with uh, Sea Thieves. You know, it's a sandbox that gives you tools, not rules. It's a big philosophy that the developers like to uh, reinforce mm -hmm. from time to time. And they give you this large world. There's so many activities and so many activities now. But when we all first got started in the game, it was very bare bones. You know, you had the three initial trading companies and one of which was you were collecting animals and turning it in for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. And uh, it was not the most engaging content, but we knew we had to do it to get to the pirate legend status and you know, earn that reputation. And it's nice to see that they've grown the game so that it is much easier and more engaging for new players mm -hmm. uh, to get involved and achieve those things without feeling like they're locked into one of three paths. And and now there's probably different 10 different paths to get to right. uh, that end game goal. And uh, that's what you really want to see. You, you, you don't want people to necessarily go through the same uh, challenges that you did on the day one you want the game to grow and become more inclusive more engaging, evolving and you know in some ways even more challenging because there are so many things to do and uh you have to become proficient at many more things than you know what the right. the game originally set out to be um but that's that's why i'm drawn to sea of thieves and truthfully most of my video game uh, time is in multiplayer games you know i like yeah. that challenge of always loading in and not knowing what your experience is going to be, what your story is going to be, um, because you're going up against human uh, players. Yeah. You know, with their own motives, their own skills. It's not an artificial intelligence. It's not an NPC uh, that's going to be very rigid and predictable. Everything is unpredictable. You don't know yes. what you're going to encounter when you uh, first set sail on the the Sea of Thieves, and and that's so cool to me. And that's that's the game I. Uh, I strive to follow and uh, I want to be a part of. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Yeah, you're so when you're running status effects, you're doing Sea of Champions. So, how did you, how did the Sea of Thieves community, like, how did you really like present it to them? How, how was your first event? Like, how did, give me some, like, some tasty details. Like, when you first got started, maybe some challenges, some things like that. The challenges? Oh man, we, we had some challenges. I'll tell you about the challenges. Uh, the challenges, you know, coming into a scene uh, as unknowns. Uh, right. You know, we had been playing the game for hundreds of hours. Our crew, uh, you know, we're all pirate legends. We were not uh, new to the game by any means, but we had not integrated ourselves into any of the other communities online with the game up, up until that point. Uh, you know, to be honest, uh, and, and were we fully aware uh, of the intimate connections within the comp uh, competitive scene at the time? Uh, definitely not. Uh, we were aware that it, it existed, but not to the extent that, that uh, you know, our research had led us to after, uh, you know, kicking the, the project off the ground. But it, uh, it, was, a, it was a time to show uh, the community that, uh, you know, we were trustworthy uh, and we were worth their investment of time and support. Uh, yeah. to allow the the platform to to grow into something that uh you know the whole community would be proud of i mean it's it's not just our project anymore this is the whole community's project that you know most people that are engaged uh like super engaged into the game they've they've heard of sea of champions uh they've 
probably seen the sales and more and more people are growing to you know want to strive to to get those cosmetics in game but uh yeah that was our initial challenge is to overcome the hurdle of introducing ourselves to the right. community and improve and, and that's really what it was was proving ourselves uh as worthy of being uh beside all these other uh uh, spearheads of the community uh, I, I quickly mentioned before uh the notorious arena league is one of the uh the premier competitive experiences that's where the best of the best pirates go gotcha. uh, and just completely just let loose of their skills and, and a lot of that has bled into sea of champions and we've had uh you know both leagues blend together and we've got uh, over. Nice. winners yeah. from both sides and, and it's great it's a great experience to grow off of each other and mm -hmm. uh have that that tight-knit uh feeling a race of legends is uh, another one i'd like to bring up and that's more on the adventure pve side of uh events that are out there uh you know there are more races you know two ships are going head to head to get to you know certain objectives on the map and you know complete it before the other crew does gotcha. so it's it's less of a pvp experience while they do have pvp integrated within those events as well but it's it's more of a pve and a ship handling experience and okay. you know, that's the, the the cool thing about this community and you know within c within c of uh, excuse me within sea of thieves is there's so many different angles and sides that you can accomplish in these events uh, yeah. you know kind of the sky's the limit mm -hmm. is to uh mm -hmm. what these modes can entail yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i didn't even know they had boat racing that's crazy yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool yeah, they, do. they do i think that's one of the things that's re that really draws a lot of people into sea of thieves is that there are there are literally hundreds of different ways that you can play the game and different things that you can do and the options are, are endless and when i've gone through and looked at like what communities exist for sea of thieves there's a, a fashion community there's a photography community mm -hmm. there's music community there is like the pvp the pve there are the merchant communities that are just uh, we want to focus on this like it's endless it's absolutely yeah. endless and yep. like to be able to tap into that uh is just amazing it's i definitely have to say the sea of thieves community and a lot like even rainbow six siege like uh zan was saying earlier it's like they have these very tight-knit like die-hard communities that have also made these subcultures based mm -hmm. on the game you know i think siege six has an entire anime community i've seen some of the images yeah, they have like yeah. They have a whole fan artwork, art. fan art community on mm -hmm. certain uh, operators. And What's interesting is you'll see those side of things. You'll see the like incredibly sweaty, like the tournament ready guys that are going on and playing thousands of hours, not hundreds, but thousands of hours, learning every new intricacy of characters after balance patches and updates. Like a newest season just started a few days ago. It was like a 45 gig update. I actually, I've been getting into R6 a little bit off camera because I'm debating on streaming it eventually. But okay. I want to get I want to get better at it first because uh, I tried it with a friend of mine who used to play it a bunch on Xbox and my chat was making me not be able to ADS, not yeah. be able to crouch and not be able to sprint because I have a channel point. I have a channel point function where people can make it so they can ban an in-game action. So I couldn't crouch, couldn't ADS and I couldn't sprint. So I'm just a blob on the map. It was standing awesome. in the corner going, what That's am I doing here? <laughs> so it was okay. Funny story. So he is just learning how to play this game. I used to play it back in the day when I was on PS4, like when it first came out. Uh, with buddies of mine but uh you know like he was saying he's got these channel points where you can just choose whatever action he wants to do and uh, i think four or five people were just like one person's like yeah you can't ads and i was like 
okay i was like wait what can i do and somebody in chat's like no we're really screwed up we can't crouch and i was like okay can't crouch and then all of a sudden it was like yeah no sprinting I'm like all right no sprinting like Funny is they made it i couldn't sprint couldn't crouch couldn't ads but i could prone nope. so i like there was a kill cam because i got killed because i was holding this door angle and there's a kill cam where i'm literally a worm on my back like <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, hip fire. I'm hip fire so i'm not even scoped in so i'm just laying there with a gun in my hands and i'm like hey how you doing yeah <laughs> I, think I, I, hit, I think i hit the guy like once well but it's uh, it's a good game i'm interested to learn it and get, get gooder. Um, yeah. yeah get gooder time sink yeah lots of gooder yeah is. that is um, a game that you can like i think we've talked and we've hit on just like cfds you can play casually and just have some fun and draw and do whatever you want or be super competitive so i think do you feel like uh status effect is is leaning towards more of those games or are you thinking like um trying to get into larger esports arena games like csgo or like you you had mentioned league of legends potentially um I feel like the production value, especially for games like old school games, like, you know, StarCraft 2, StarCraft has a giant esports community. League of Legends, obviously. Same thing with Dota 2. They've always had these giant esports, um, these, these things. I feel like it'd be hard to break into as a, as a, as a, especially just an online only esports yeah. team, especially when they're so dead. They've had these esports leagues for 10 plus years. You know what I mean? Uh, where's kind of, where you're, what do you have your sights aimed on next? Uh, truthfully, the sky's the limit. So we, we're not putting any blockers in uh, our roadmap. Uh, we, we've got our hopes that we want to get into. And uh, kinda, I think the priority right now uh, for the near future is Halo Infinite. You know, we, yeah. we do want to get involved in uh, the ground floor on that uh, so that we can have the opportunity to grow within a new space. Uh, but you know it's all on the table you know we're 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 open to innovate and bring that inclusion into established communities uh right now it's just a, a time of uh it's just a, a matter of time and resources as to uh where we go yeah um but yeah no i, I don't i don't think uh within the team we have any um ideal uh game or situation you know we we do love the games like uh sea of thieves that have a more uh, narrative driven experience um, but we we want to to raise that bar for the the, the greater industry, uh, and, and I guess that's uh, something to talk on too. As we've uh, grown and opened doors and have started, you know, talking with other industry professionals and uh, engaging with other you know production crews and kind of get an idea of how things are done out there currently and what can be improved upon, and uh, especially with our, our recent Rainbow Six event, uh, you know. Our, our, uh, our brand director was designing these assets and internally, uh, you know, the the event lead was show, showing it off to, uh, you know, the casters, which are, uh, you know, the official Ubisoft UK casters for their league over there. Oh. And, uh, you know, we had some uh, professional players that got involved. So, you know, these these were names that are already well integrated into the official Rainbow Six scene and everyone's you know giving us this feedback like nobody's doing design like this you're the first to attempt to do this level of production and everyone was so excited they're like hey you know any future projects you're you're getting involved in you know hit us up we want to get involved in this because you know it, it, it's exciting to see innovation within the industry and you want to uplift yes. that but it was surprising to us uh you know being a new operation of 
you know, realistically four people, you know, pulling off the, uh, the production, uh, that no one had been pushing the limits of production and event broadcasting uh, for the, the many years that the esports industry has been growing exponentially right. and it's not stopping anytime soon. So we took a step back as like, you know, that's really cool to hear that we are on the right track to make a statement within the industry, but it's, you know, it's kind of leaving our, uh, uh, leaving us scratching our heads as to why it hadn't been done before. Right. Uh, it's I'm always interesting seeing how like each new pioneer step is made and who's going to take it. Yeah. And then everybody is like, Whoa, Hey, check that out. Let's go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you, you, you said something earlier that I think you already answered your own question a little bit. It's like, if it already, if it, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. It's that same that mentality. True, but, yeah. I mean, it's that, yeah. it's that this, they've been doing it for 10 years. It's been working. They're able to get money for doing it. They're able to still attract new teams because it's just the standard. I mean, yeah. how many leagues have been like that for the longest time? Because, oh, well, like it is what it is, you know, like yeah. Ryan, you're, you're, you're definitely not wrong on that. And that's one thing that myself. Elf and Heath, our brand director, are constantly nailing into all of our productions from day one of Sea of Champions. You know, we've iterated on the early designs and have grown it to where it is now. But we're always looking at it as like, how can we make our lives more difficult in a way that increases the quality of, you know, our content, of, of our productions? And when I say difficult, I mean, you know, the, the initial challenge of answering the question, you know, what hasn't been done before? Why hasn't right. been hasn't it been done? And how can we execute uh, execute upon this? But that's and, uh, you know, that's just how we look at every event, really. And that's how you grow. I mean, as a content creator from just a one man operation to a podcast to a to a video game, you know, you want to take what other games have done in the past and, and try and either make something new or improve upon them. And it seems like you've taken all these bits and pieces from all these different esports leagues and teams, and you're like, I like this, I don't like this. We need this kind of quality, not this kind of quality. And even if it's a pain in the ass, it's better for the viewer, it's better for the player, it's better for the league. And it, like you said, what was it uh, you said earlier on? Is like the the tide raises all ships. You know, that kind yes. of same that same yeah. mentality, which is, I mean. It's definitely what the esports league is lagging because I feel like, especially during COVID, it's stagnant, if not already starting to backtrack a bit. I mean, I think that the viewers are down quite a bit on Twitch right now uh, for any event, just events in general, because I feel like without physically being there, being able to see the viewers, you're, it's like, it's been the standard for so long that it feels like without it, it's weird. And yeah. I think that I'm mold gonna... has to change. I got to peace out for two seconds. My folks just got home with groceries and I got to right. go home, bring them in. So I'll return. All right. We'll see you in a second. Um, yeah, but that, and then I was also thinking too, um, with, I saw the last one. Let me go back. Uh, we'll go back to the four screen real quick. And uh, I want to kind of go over, um, speaking of production value. Now this is from launch. This is from 2016. Uh, what we're looking at, we're looking oh, at the HMV hell five. Yeah. Ancient history right here. I, I know, but this is four years ago and you were already creating things like this. I'm not going to play the video because I don't want to get hit with DMCA because I know they'll do it. They'll they'll get like, I'm not, uh, excuse me, playing the audio. So I'm just going to play this. Um, yep. we'll, play, we'll play a little bit of audio. Did you make this song too? Is this already a pre-made song or? No, no. The All the music that goes into any of those productions, uh, the Hollywood Halo productions, which was uh, our clan back in the uh, early Halo days and grown up until uh recent years uh was all spearheaded by brian i'm suck what's his gamer tag smith 
and uh he, he he's an incredible visionary when it comes to music just kind of just finding what songs can be twisted and molded into the best visual interpretation right. within uh you know halo machinima and uh, so yeah he was the the brain behind all those concepts uh i just had the fortunate pleasure of uh creating the intro in uh this particular instance uh, i and don't then, know yeah. you, like this this blows my mind but you've taken the same thing you've done over siege six i mean i i saw here we have the same like this right here is insane yeah. I mean, it's like this so I have to watch a movie, dude. Like this is crazy. <laughs> it actually takes uh, a, a lot from the show True Detective on HBO. Oh. The, they have a similar intro uh, to this. Uh, it's it's a really fun design. Uh, it almost never gets old. Um, but yeah, just seeing uh, you know those elements overlaid within each other like that and have that slight parallax movement go. Uh, across it's a uh, very uh, satisfying it is effect, if I do say so. so cool and then like I said if you even your countdown timer into the intro into your shout casters I mean I've watched a couple of years I mean just you've got you've got something that's why I was really interested in talking to you guys because it's just like you've got you've got you've got it I don't know what that it is I don't know a lot about <laughs> esports but you've got the thing like I <laughs> you got the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I know exactly about that thing. Uh if you ever wanted to talk further thing on that drives. thing, it's uh it's it's honestly our, our our designer, Heath. Uh he is without a doubt one of the most talented artists I've ever uh seen out there. Uh he's been a good friend of mine for many, many years, uh going back to the early Halo days. And uh, you know, it's it's so cool to find someone who's brain works in that creative capacity mm -hmm. where they can create things out of nothing you know they can see all the angles all the design angles that no one else can get yes. close to and uh you know honestly that's uh one of the special factors that's really driving us forward and you know on top of that uh going back to our 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 systems development, uh, Lero, our, our business director, Simon, uh, all four of us uh, have a very unique blend of skills uh, that complement each other nicely in uh, kind of spearheading these projects in the esports industry. And uh, we, we just blend and mesh so well. And it's it's uh, such a, a cool feeling to have found a team like this. And, you know, it's extended to Travada and the other uh, volunteers that have helped get us to where we are. And uh, it's uh, not something that you often find, uh, you know, especially online, you know, not meeting these people in person uh, and forming those relationships and just knowing what needs to be done and how to interact with each other yeah. and make sure those communication lines stay on point so that you know we are meeting those deadlines and those goals uh, it is insane i don't know how you guys are pulling off this this houdini magic trick but whatever you're doing <laughs> continue <laughs> don't we plan on it <laughs> don't stop it's crazy oh man so i know uh zion you had a whole bunch of questions man i know you had some stuff um oh, i just i just like laying prep work down but um <laughs> we already did pretty much all of the ones i had for joe uh, the last one I had, but it works for pretty much both of you, is what do you feel like the state of gaming in is is in right now besides everybody holding their breath for Cyberpunk? Yeah, right. I'm holding my breath for Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at right now. I think we so all are. But so far away. <laughs> yeah. T-minus, what, four days? So hopefully. Yeah. If there's, exactly. Hopefully. Comes out like Thursday morning, I believe. Mm, hope, fingers crossed. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was talking. I, I think that's actually. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, all right, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I, I think that's kind of a, an indicator of the industry right now, going back to the question of where, you know, gaming is going, you know, where esports is going. And we see that with Cyberpunk. Um, you know, the deadlines are so intense and everyone is scrambling to capitalize on the growth in this industry that a lot of times, um, you know, the human aspect is being forgotten. The creative aspect mm -hmm. is being mm -hmm. forgotten. And we've seen that with Cyberpunk. You know, uh, CD Projekt Red uh, is a great company. Uh, they've they've had their challenges as far as uh, crunch goes. And, I, you know, I know they went into uh, Cyberpunk with the goal of not having to utilize that and to put that strain on their uh their designers and unfortunately you know they did succumb to it a little bit uh here towards the end and they've yeah. delayed on top of that which uh you know that's that's a topic in and of itself but i i think where the industry is going is it needs to take a step back and become sustainable uh you know yes. video games have been around forever but the esports right. industry the mainstream component of video gaming uh is very young uh it's yeah. it's very fresh it's new uh companies are realizing this they want to be a part of it and they want to invest and grow it as rapidly as possible mm -hmm. but i think you know especially with uh you know COVID happening right now everyone hopefully has realized that we need to take a step a step back and make this sustainable you know how yeah. can we ensure that we aren't caught off guard for situations like a global pandemic how are we not going to be caught off guard with right. Right. uh labor issues you know pushing our designers and our our teams too far uh or too hard without uh you know the proper foresight to give them the res resources they need to you know continue innovating i mean we we, we all uh, want to continue innovating and the designers always want to put out the best product possible right. uh, but you know they, they need the resources to make sure that uh you know that proper work and life balance is achieved uh so there's a healthy foundation to continue on for the next hundred years i mean where are video games going in a hundred years uh i hope star citizen comes out within uh, <laughs> the next hundred years uh, next, I, I don't, don't think so that game and i want to i want to fly and actually uh enjoy my ship you know yeah. i want to uh yeah. just own some stock in that company so that way i yeah, can just get free go. money from donors for the next 10 years so great <laughs> levels got another game similar to that ashes uh, of creation that's yeah. been in the pipeline. Oh, okay okay oh you're opening this up now okay all right so all right Ash this? all right we're doing this oh, okay no. listen okay listen this is this is against the grain okay i know this is okay the guy who's starting up that that game okay Ash the creation don't i think he's a visionary he's kind of like the elon musk when it comes to stuff the only downside the only thing that really irks me is that mmos in general have had this terrible 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 15 year drought of overhyping a game game comes out game dies six months later just mm -hmm. it's tons you just named off the top of my head i can name you 10 right now the only three that really stuck around i would say are eso uh final fantasy 14 even though they had to restart that game and world of warcraft obviously those are the big three mm -hmm. and you could probably sprinkle in runecraft you know uh, um you could probably throw in a couple different ones but those are the big the big three right now um Ash the Creation was started is started by a guy who made most of his money in the beginning through multi-level marketing. 
I, if that doesn't ring some some <laughs> alarm bells off the bat, I don't know what will. And then he made more money in the real estate pyramid scheme. And now we're seeing the same thing here. And it's just this, if, if you're a business person, you can see this pattern because there is a giant pattern of games being crowdfunded, <coughs> Crowfall, um, being crowdfunded and then disappearing. The money is just gone. And they, they show some content and this is what makes you really worried about this game they show some content they every month they have a new thing they're giving away for like 250 bucks and yes it's awesome but i've only seen a couple videos and it's the same map over and over again where is the rest of the map where is the I rest of the content if you signed up for anything to get early access it was like oh great yeah we're gonna send you a bunch of stuff also send us money and i was like mm. <laughs> right okay if i if we pull it up i could show you it is it is astronomical how much money this stuff is i mean it is some, yeah yeah some of the early release packs were like 80 bucks and i'm like oh it's worse <laughs> there's a pack here for the voyager plus pre-order pack that is 375 dollars, yep, yep. and they have a new one of these every month every mm -hmm. month that's not that if this doesn't save alarm bells i don't know what does like you I mean, know that's, that's chump change compared to what uh star citizens rocking over I there know. Oh <laughs> So, Star Citizen got some ships that are ten thousand dollars, real money. Uh huh. Listen, listen, I'm on the Star Citizen train. I'm a backer. I've uh, I've gotten one of those uh, ship packages. Right. I will not lie. <laughs> hey man. I mean, if you, I think there's, if they're gonna deliver what they're promising, at least you can play Star Citizen. I've played some of the demos. At least you can play their content. But there is a terrible, terrible thing that's going on with the fundraising of games that should start that should be created and that was backed by people with real money and then it just disappears because production fell through or whatever insert yeah. bullshit it's all you have to, i mean just insert whatever you like there but this so is two for years two similar ones so you've got ashes of creation you've got star citizen there's two other ones halo infinite backburner 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 finally get gameplay finally get I mean, we have minimal anything on it, and it's just, it's been rough. Yeah, this is it's Halo. This is coming from a Halo fan. It, uh, we were talking with Yin about this a little bit last week, too, uh, or two weeks ago now. Two weeks ago. Yeah. And we're, we play Halo. We play Halo currently. We play Halo. I play Halo almost exclusively right now. I love Halo. But Halo Infinite, again, 343. Well, before I go into it, because I will go into a rant. Give me some of your background in your Halo, how you played, how long you've, I mean, obviously you've made, you've made some videos for Halo, so you love it too. So I think we all want the best for Halo Infinite, but what is some of your either concerns or things that you're excited about when it comes to Halo Infinite? Listen, I've, I've been a Halo fan day one, original Xbox. I was, I was there for launch and I was, uh, I was system linking all the Xboxes together and yep. using, uh, what was it? Xbox connect. There was like uh, three different software offerings. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, shout out to Hunter, I've, I used to go to school with, but we used to do that. It was like, a, I think it was Xbox Connect, or it was, it was like this weird uh, VoIP thing. I can't remember what it yeah. was. It was like this yeah, online you had to third dial party. in, and then it would see all the Xboxes on your network yep. or whatever. It was, yeah, it was, it was thing. old school, but yeah, continue. Xbox Live before Xbox Live became a thing. Yes, yes. Um, 
so it's it's one of my favorite franchises um you know i don't play it much right now just because you know there's there's not much to play uh you know the master chief collection is fantastic but you know i've I've got my other uh uh games that i'm playing right now but as far as halo infinite goes i'm excited for the the prospect of them creating a platform that they want to sustain and build upon uh it's kind of what i hoped for destiny originally not have a destiny 2 but just create the destiny platform just like world of warcraft you know you're not changing the platform your your characters your gear the world it stays there you just add on top of it um i'm a huge fan of that because i i'm I'm a fan of investment systems you know if i I play a game i want to invest my time into it and i want to know that that time and the rewards that are reflected from that time will be there for many many years you know we're talking you know 10 years before the the servers might get shut down type Mm -hmm. of deal right so you know they've they've discussed that that's what they are planning on doing with halo infinite they're they're building a platform that i think they they've initially stated will be a 10-year platform similar to what rainbow six siege is doing uh you know they're they have no intention of coming out uh with more rainbow six games on top right. of, except for whatever the uh the pve standalone experience it's like uh, terrorist hunt but it's expanded upon yeah oh, i know okay. what you're talking I about you. i've looked into it a little bit i think i think it was uh i think it's being built off of that uh event they ran like two years ago where all the uh, infected creatures and you're kind that of event. like yeah. yeah, it was a cool event, uh, and I think that's kind of... Uh, Rainbow uh, Six Quarantine. That's Quarantine. what it is, okay. yeah. It's a spin-off of that, basically. Like zombies. The most part. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a great business model to create that investment environment uh, for players to... I mean, it, it's, it's great when you talk about microtransactions because there's nothing worse than wanting to buy the cosmetic, and then a year later, the cosmetic is no good because the sequel came out or whatever. So, I mean, it, right. it, it's a great moneymaker you know, from a business standpoint. Oh, yeah. But just from a content and uh, continuity aspect, um, you know, I, I do like that platform that they're going to be building. Um, my concern is that when they first announced Halo Infinite, they really uh, leveraged the slip space engine as being this new and improved Halo experience that was going to blow the, the whole franchise up and just add on, uh, you know, uh, an incredible experience. And I think a lot of people had a... Um, a misconception of what that was going to mean and and we saw that with the you know the the recently re- uh, released footage where the graphics weren't necessarily the highest detail we were looking yeah. at some of the brutes there the face looked a little rough and everyone's like oh yeah this game's been in development for how long and that, this is the visual meme here? what's the what's the uh brutes uh name <laughs> the internet name for him oh my god i'm yeah, blanking i forget off the top of my head yeah oh my god I don't know, i'm about to i'm gonna look that up you continue i will look that up i gotta figure this out <laughs> thank you <laughs> but i think they set the community craig, up to express craig that's it craig, you got yeah, it that's yeah Yes. Yeah. I feel like they set themselves up for a little bit of failure by hyping that up so much. And I think what they are actually going with this new engine is it's going to be a larger environment. And we don't have many details on this, but in my mind and what I'm hoping is that this engine is going to allow them to create uh, an open sandbox Halo experience where, you know, they're on this new Halo ring and you can travel the entire ring. That'd be so cool. Just fast travel, go wherever you want, you know, uh, accomplish certain missions uh, in the order that you want to do, like Grand Theft Auto uh, on Halo, you know, just kind yeah. of just an open environment. And that's probably where they're going with the slip space engine is to allow 
allow for much more uh, larger and immersive experience like that. But it was unfortunate having that reveal a little bit tarnished with some of the visuals. I it, it didn't bother me much because Halo had never been like the most visually impressive game out there. You know, yeah. it, it has had visually uh, impressive environments, but uh, you know, it, it was definitely not a leader in the market in, in that regard. One thing a lot of people want to see is the Spartans without armor. Yeah, well, that's being that'd be an incredible like just something to slot in at one point of that game's story or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've been trying to show. I mean, you have to watch. I've watched a lot of like uh, 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 they had that Halo show for a while. I think it was on Hulu or or Amazon. I can't remember where it was, but they had a they've had like the movies yes. and the TV shows and the whole they've had all of that kind of like showing mm -hmm. the building up of the Spartan. They have the lore behind the game. But you're right. The game. Halo itself is built on the systems, not necessarily the graphics of the system. Yeah. About the system itself. It's always about the gunplay. It's about the the balancing of the gunplay and how it works. And that's why the game could be competitive, because there's static rolls on everything. There's static drops and static rolls. You know where the gun's gonna be. You have to be the first one to play it to get that gun, and then you get that gun. Um yeah. one thing we were talking about too, and this is I guess this is gonna kind of tie into Stas effect a bit, and then your goals with making it potentially going into the Halo infinite scene and then um solidifying a competitive scene there. Um with Halo 4, it was too easy on the on the PvP side. I mean there was no descoping. We we play it all the time. It's like there's no descoping, and so if you know the spawns, you can really just mop up. And it's it, it was almost too easy. And then with Yin told us about, I never played a lot of Halo Five, but on Halo Five, it was almost too competitive. Where to the point where they had skill based matchmaking in every game mode, so it was impossible for you to just get on and just have a relaxing night. So they kind of made it. They, they took the casual part to a whole extreme, and now they made it to the point where with the matchmaking aspect, you couldn't even. You couldn't relax if you just wanted to have a night to drink a beer and hang out and play some games with friends and do some shenanigans you were playing against people who were just trying to win and be sweaty and you could not relax so that's why we play mostly reach because we've had 50 nos where we've mopped entire teams and we haven't dropped a life yeah and then we've had 49 50s we've had big team battles we've done all kinds of crazy shenanigans and it's right. depending on i mean I've just recently hit Silver Shield playing Reach because I don't play as much as Yin or Lev or Zombified, but uh, I enjoy the game just because it's a different change of pace from I'm a COD kid. I grew up on Call of Duty from 2008 all the way until now. I still play and Cold Wars getting a lot of mixed reviews about being a flop because it's a rushed games. It's only got six maps. A lot yeah. of people don't like the gunplay mixed with the movement. Uh, there was input delay on PC initially, and they've already fixed that with aim smoothing. And just it's you're, we're seeing the effects of COVID hitting big AAA name brand games, and it sucks. Yeah, that makes I you. I think that goes back a lot to what you were asking about, like the state of gaming. I think that COVID really put a lot of people back into perspective on like this is gaming is primarily an online thing and it's a lot of online communities and everything is done online and up until covid a lot of that work was done face to face in studios and and all of those people were standing next to each other doing these things and then when they were sent to go do this stuff away from each other you know like everyone works from home they it kind of changed 
a lot of the value of what you're getting and the time frame and the crunches that you have that you're seeing you know like all of these delays on things and the quality kind of dies down on a lot of these projects because people don't have that equipment or the ability to create the same quality remotely as they have been in the studios and i think that that says a lot i also think that um there is like this realization that a lot of people are a lot more into gaming than what they thought they were previously because right. they've been given this extra time to explore those avenues and do that like yeah. i am not a gamer i'm a pirate and i think most most people know <laughs> that like <laughs> i don't just go out there and play every game that comes out and there are a lot of games that i throw away really really quickly because i'm super judgmental about the quality and the gameplay itself and right. so something comes along i jump into it and I might last 30 minutes in a game and be like, yeah, this is trash. I'm right. going back to see if the UC. I played Godfall for two and a half hours and I haven't played it since. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, like, can... like Skyrim, Skyrim even, I, I was convinced to play that and it was, and I gave it a real hard try and after five and a half hours, I'm like, yeah, I'm never playing this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think you guys are alluding to something that I want, I haven't talked about on this podcast yet, but it's something I've thought about for a long time. Um, Joe, I'm kind of like you, man. I, I have a business degree. I was actually uh, an entire district. Do you know what DECA is by chance? That's I know D -E -C -A. what DECA is. Okay, so uh, DECA is a... Uh, not particularly. It's something that's it's college-based. It's a way to um, pitch your idea to investors in a co from college, basically. Okay. You do it in a competition style. So mm -hmm. uh, I had an idea of actually starting kind of a new age gaming bar. That's the best way to put it. Uh, instead of like a barcade mm -hmm. with arcade, it was like actually like an esports arena, but you could play and it's local. So that was my idea. And I, I pitched it. So I've and on top of that, I've run two businesses. So I, I have a business background. Um, one thing that's been bothering me about the gaming industry is that when it comes to business, business is about creating value. Everything on top of that, everything comes from that in business. If you don't have value, your business is non-viable. The problem I have with Ubisoft, Activision, uh, even CD Projekt Red, even though they're good companies with great designers and a group of really cool people, this infinite growth model on these publicly traded companies starts to take away from the creativity and starts to try and pump out more and more and more profits, rather, which will then just end up hurting the actual con the content, the value. The value of these companies is the video game. And on top of that, now you have an infinite growth model on top of new age AAA video game companies who are raking in more money now than ever, but they still need to make more. So there's going to be a breaking point. And on the, 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 the straw, I think it's going to break the camel's back is the fact they are not allowing these game designers to unionize. So this is what I want to bring up. I'm saying all of that. Okay. Do you think that game designers, game developers should have a union? This is controversial, apparently. I don't, you know, so I just wanted to kind of, it's interesting. And, and I just, I've thought about it a long time and I just, I'm interested to see what other people think about that. Joe, let's start with you, man. Yeah, uh, that's a very interesting topic. And uh, I've been seeing discussion across the content career space as well. Uh, going back to the DMCA issues that are, are happening right now. Yes. Um, I definitely believe that there needs to be better representation within the gaming industry. Um, you know, I'm, I'm particularly a fan of unions. Uh, it's workers need protections. Mm -hmm. They, there needs to be regulations in place. There needs to be a voice that protects 
these individuals, um, you know, the system that is in place, uh, you know, and globally, I mean, money talks, uh, and yeah. unfortunately it, it talks louder than the average person does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for making sure that again, these environments are sustainable and healthy. Uh, yes. I don't want to see a situation where the industry keeps exponentially growing and has that collapse because, uh, the creative minds behind all of all of this content all of a sudden walk away. You know, there's no more incentive for them to continue being creative and innovating, and that's going to hurt the industry, and that's going to that's going to uh, you know hurt the pockets of the the corporations, whether or not they like it. Yeah. So you know, the sustainability needs to be built so that uh, these companies can continue growing and support uh, supporting uh, this this environment because without their support, you know, we, we can't continue doing what we're doing. Um, but you know, I, I feel like it, it's, it's a, a necessity or something similar or, you know, a realization of what the future, uh, could hold for this environment. Um, right. so I'm, I'm all for it. And again, in the content creator space, and I'm sure this is a, a, a completely different topic, uh, that you want to touch on, but DMCA, uh, the, the, yes. this is a situation where again, uh, the streaming and content creation space grew so rapidly. Uh, Twitch was and still is, pretty, you know, the only competitor in the space. We've had Mixer, Microsoft uh, attempt to do it. They had their shortcomings. They had their opportunity to shine. They dropped the ball and they they flopped because of it. Uh, YouTube has had their slew of issues, but they're you know they are a strong competitor in the market. They're coming along, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, after they're so many years, they're finally starting to get it. Uh, yeah. But it, it was a very weird journey for them. And then you've got Facebook Gaming, which um, Facebook's been bleeding uh, users for many years now. It's no longer the platform that has all the young people, all the hip young people. They're they're going over to TikTok and Instagram, and uh, yeah. which. Owned by Facebook. Facebook. So they'd be good at diversifying, but the platform itself, the Facebook platform, uh, had an issue where it was losing its young audience. So I I feel like their gaming initiative is their attempt to plug that seat, that that hole, and that 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 leak. And uh, you know, it's uh, to be seen uh, if it's successful. Right now, uh, you know, I've I've got friends that are creators on the platform, partners on the platform. Uh, You know, they're doing well for themselves. Uh, but they are definitely experiencing the same growing pains that Mixer went through, and just that mm-hmm. that general support of the creator on that platform. And it's an issue too. Is like you know, Facebook's looking at this as an investment. If it fails, it's no big deal to Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg's not going to cry if Facebook nope. Gaming falls by the wayside. But you've got all these individuals that are pseudo employees of your company creating uh value for your brand that could, could potentially be uh, left by the wayside there if things go south and they want to pull the plug one day like mixer did all of a sudden out of like, nowhere yeah, they gonna pay nowhere. they paid a 30 was it 20 million dollar con contract was it 20 million i'm gonna look that up i want to make sure but they paid ninja ninja was like 20 something and yes. uh, shroud was like 10 or yeah. something like that so they paid astronomical yeah. amounts of money when they were already bleeding money as like a hail mary and then all of a sudden out of no i think eight months later they're like yep we're yeah, done. It was, it, yeah it wasn't even a full nine months yeah, and, speaking of ninja and shroud those guys are legends for positioning themselves yeah. there accidentally <laughs> like heck yeah dude i'd love to be in that spot they were on they were getting a golden parachute of already a, a, a 
plane that was going down, man. Ninja first moved over, and like every conversation that I had with anyone was that was the smoothest marketing move I've ever seen. Ever, dude. That was the oh biggest thing I've ever seen. That was crazy. That was so smart, man. And um, Mm -hmm. Zion, I want to. I definitely want to make sure we go back. Uh, How do you feel on unions? And I, you said something, Joe, that I want to come back to after this. Uh, But how do you feel about unions when it comes like video game creation? So I feel. Um, go ahead. I feel like that there's this interest. Like I've been in positions where I've been in unions, or I've been with, in fields where unions were available, whether you were uh, part of them or not. And that has been something that, like at that time, was highly beneficial. So having that voice that's willing to stand up for you, whether you are a part of that particular union or not, is really really important. And I think in the gaming industry, you have this weird and intricate like set of things you've got your content creators that are your streamers and your esports production and your game developers and your music developers and sometimes those people are also like streamers and you have this like duality in in many of these cases and a lot of those people don't have the backing or the money or the partnerships or the sponsorships to stand up and speak for them when that's needed and when that's necessary or when something happens. And you have many, many creators, especially smaller creators that are very fearful that, you know, like one small mistake is going to end every opportunity that they've ever had or that, you know, they're going to find themselves in a situation where someone says something or makes an accusation and they're not going to be able to back that up because they don't have the resources. And I think that in that respect, uh, unionization can be very, very helpful. Uh, having yes. those voices and having those people that can help provide those resources for people who are trying to stand up and have a voice. I think that that kind of crosses for me into this dangerous territory of the speak out and call out culture because I have some very, um, very opinionated thoughts on that. Oh, um, I like because... opinions. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you, you know it. Yeah. Um, I think that when you talk about cancel culture and call out culture and speak out culture, you, you, you tread a very dangerous line because that's not safe for everyone. And I think that it's, it's really important to take that into consideration. Um, and that there are many times I've seen through social media, especially in the gaming industry, where people are trying to have their voice heard and are not necessarily being heard or being guided in appropriate directions. And I think that having someone or something that is there to back them up and help guide them in an appropriate direction that can be beneficial in in the entire industry um, would be helpful. Right. No, that's some great points there because it's definitely one of those things where it's a fine balance. You know, it's, it's this balance between... Uh, protecting and helping your content creators and protecting mm-hmm. and helping your game designers, but at the same time trying to have a viable business model that continually mm-hmm. creates value and then doesn't also tread on too many toes. You know, I think every time you make something, you're going to, you, you have that chance of saying something, doing something that, that, uh, that could potentially hurt your bottom line. If you were, if I say I was the business, if I was the CEO of, of Activision, right. Um, do you back somebody like Ninja or shroud or do you say well they only have 50,000 viewers i could just you know call it a day um for example a great example uh recently i love i come from a music background as well and i love watching uh herman lee on youtube 
Um, <laughs> he's he's a he's the uh, guitarist for Dragon Force, Fant- and he does these live streams where he plays guitar. And it's fantastic. Can't recommend him enough. Um, problem being, uh, when he does that, when he actually does that, he had a stream where he got uh, banned for three days or two days because he was streaming his own content that he wrote, produced, and created. He was mm-hmm. streaming Dragon Force. But he's the guitarist of Dragon Force. It's like yeah. Yeah, that's his song, yeah. you know. Like, but they're like, like yeah, this band. weird, scary place. Because like, yeah. I, I, I make my own audio sometimes, and I don't share it in a lot of places. And then I'm like, and and I've had this discussion with other people, like, oh, you know, I can just throw up my, you know, whatever I've made for my background music because I don't play music in the background of my streams. And then, and then the discussion turns into, but you can't, even though you made it, you can't because you don't have a license to to license your own stuff. And I'm yes. like. Well, that, <laughs> it's so weird. It doesn't make sense. They're they're stopping streams yeah. now for playing the in-game music. Like uh-huh. it, yeah. it comes with the game. <laughs> like it's right, not right, like right, you're trying. Right. You're just. But at the same time, if you're Amazon, which is probably two percent, three percent of their entire market value potentially, mm-hmm. maybe not even. They could shut it down at any time. They could just be like, Twitch is gone. Whatever. Like yeah. we're not gonna deal yeah. with that. Yeah. That's why the DMCA stuff came out. They're just like. Eh, whatever. Yeah, just make everybody delete all that content. We're not going to deal with that. It's 2% of our market. We're not going to deal with this, you know? Zion, how do you feel about it, man? I don't know. As far as, like, the whole unionization type side of things, I haven't worked a job that's been part of a union yet. I've had... I worked a small mom-and-pop, like, walk-in diner. Um, I've worked retail at a Cabela's before their big Bass Pro joiner, and then... I worked through that transition, but again, none of that was union. That was all just personal held on. Yeah. And then the construction job that I've been doing for the last two years is again, just not union. So I haven't had any experiences with that side of things with, um, I think creators could like go their own route and make like their own hubs. At least I love like a gaming, even if it was like a discord where, I mean, you'd have to be wary of not letting it turn into like just a toxic pool of, oh, my chat got banned. Oh, my people are banning my stream. People are banning my clips. Like you're going to find that almost anywhere you go at any level. You got like Nick Merckx, Tim the Tapman, Shroud, Ninja, uh, Cypher PK, a couple of the bigger end like Fortnite guys, COD guys. Those guys are all have VODs and clips thousands of them that they've had to take down yes that's hours and hours of manual review of going through and uh delete this one delete this one delete this one delete this one and that's a lot of effort and originally uh, i believe it was nick's mercs was like i'm not doing this i'm not deleting any of my content off the web you can't make me and then he literally got banned for like 18 days and then he came back and deleted it all yeah I mean, a lot of creators went through and they just deleted everything that they had done up until that day and they're like it's gone and 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 it's painful. you were one you were one level yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's the thing is like i don't make any a lot of money off of twitch i make some money here and there but imagine that's your only form of content that's your only way of getting money right let's say you're you're a professional streamer or even youtube just insert the social media platform if that's your only way of money they've got you they write your paychecks. If they say it has to go, it's got to go, even though it's yours. And that's where this copyright really becomes an issue. Is it? I mean, you made the video, you streamed. It's your chat, your platform, your community, your buildup. But you're you. It's like 
It's like you create this entire business, but they own the car. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that really your business? Because they it's, definitely it, own the car. It, it, to me, it's a lot like it's your platform, but it's not your platform. Like you're borrowing the platform of somebody else, just like you would with any social media with Twitter or Facebook. Facebook's not yours. That's your page right. on Facebook. That's their platform that you were utilizing. And Twitch is a lot the same way. And I think that most uh, streaming services are the, that same way. Like you are utilizing their platform to speak your mind. And if they decide at any point that they don't like your content for whatever reason, well, it's their platform. And that's in pretty much every TOS that I've read. And yes, I actually read those. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, absolutely, like, though. You have to. You have to. Yeah. And does. OK, so this is a good question for you. This is going to be a kind of a tough ball. This is just it popped into my head here for Sea of Champions. And then for any game that you're moving into. Do you own the content or do they? Own, like, how do you do that? How do you decipher from from a from a production value? Like, how does that work? Uh, our agreement with Twitch um, allows us to continue cre- uh, owning, you know, our brand, our company, right. and the content. Uh, you know, it, it is a very particular agreement that um, there, there, it is a weird line. Like they can do whatever they want with our content as it lives on Twitch, but they can't do anything with, you know, our our company assets, of course, like our our logo and branding without our our uh, permission. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely an interesting environment to uh, kind of reside in and, and navigate and to make sure that we aren't selling away any uh, rights that could be damaging to us in the future. Uh, and just as Travaz said, you know, we, we read all the fine print with all the details. We're aware of what we can and can't do and what they can and can't do. Um, there's been no concern uh currently with our uh, our platform and project but that's good it is it is definitely uh uh something that needs to be kept in the forefront of any creator's minds uh yeah. as they they navigate this landscape uh you know you need to diversify as well and don't put all your eggs into one basket because right. exactly if twitch all of a sudden dies out one day uh you don't want your livelihood to go with it um, yes yeah you know, Somebody asked me last night after stream, they were, it was this like, oh, are, you know, they had asked about my streaming and, and like how, how much I stream or how big I intended on it going. And I just kind of like blew that off. Cause I, and I think leveled, you know, this, it's like never been my goal to be like the next ninja or anything like, like, I don't care about that. You should that's, be the that's next pirate lord. You should rename, <laughs> be the next pirate lord, the, 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 the pirate of pirate Twitch. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but he said after, you know, and I kind of did that same blow it off thing. And then he said, well, you sound like you're real serious when you talk about some stuff. And I said, well, I am serious because right. this is, this is, you know, I'm not going to do anything that's going to be damaging to me or, you know, and I work with Sea of Champions and I'm not going to do anything that's damaging to Sea of Champions or status right. effect, or I'm not going to do anything that's going to be, you know, looked back on later. Like this is the internet. <laughs> like, yes, it is. I, I was around in the nineties when the internet started. Like I mm. remember all of the things that, that we could do to each other back then. And it's yep. like, even more expansive now like holy cow you've got face swap apps and you've got like you can do anything with anything just about like there's no way that i'm going to do something that's going to be potentially damaging to anyone that is around me and and i take that very seriously because i expect kind of that that same thing from those people that that i surround myself with like if you if you don't respect the people that you inherently are representing 
then I, the internet will happen to you. Right. <laughs> like, has anybody like has anybody seen the social dilemma on spot on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. It's it's on my watch list. I, I okay. need to get to it, but I've heard good things about it. All right. There's this one concept that I really think is very interesting, and it does apply to gaming. And we've touched on this a couple times throughout the podcast, but I want to get you guys input a little bit on this. So. Travada, you brought up something that's just it sparked into my head real quick. Um, you know, I was also around like AOL days, you know, <laughs> this is before you were born, Zion. This is a while ago, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is I had an AIM account. My my username was CoolSlider76 wow. for no reason. I have no idea why I made that. Uh, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. But back then you made this online persona, but it was this mindset of like, that's not really you. It's like it's mm -hmm. anonymous. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not really you. I I am not this avatar I've created. Right. Well, fast forward to today, I literally go by leveled. And that's like yeah. people say yeah. that more yeah. than my real name. Mm -hmm. And it's like this is who I am. It's kind of like a part of me. Like, like what I do and what I say, whether it's on Twitch or YouTube or my mm -hmm. the, the podcast, like there is that moniker, my online persona is now me. Like right. it is inherently linked i mean you can still be anonymous right on the internet you can it's it's a it is possible but it's getting harder and it, i think yeah, it is as gaming progressive you know progresses more and more we're going to be seeing full dive you know vr technology becoming more and more relevant more and more mainstream mm -hmm. so now it goes from your online moniker to your physical movements and how you interact in the game mm -hmm. is you like you that is that is a that is you that's you yeah it, yeah so I think it's really imperative that we figure out now how we move going forward. Like, I, like you were saying, can, cancel culture and some of these different things, like these call out culture, I'll just say call out culture in general. Um, I don't think it's a, this can be kind of controversial, um, but not in a bad way. It's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily sometimes a bad thing. Then reiterate. Okay. Uh. I know, I know you're cringing. I can see. I don't see your camera, <laughs> you but I know you're it. cringing. I know I can see it through my my eye. I can see it, um, because I don't think I don't think it is a cause of problems. I, or excuse me, that's not say. I don't think. I think it is a reaction to this mm -hmm. this feeling that we are now becoming more online more than ever. Right, so right. calling people out on something that used to be like, I feel like there's two different trains of thought. Like, there's some people that are like still stuck in the nineties that are like, Oh, I'm anonymous. You know, I'm Joe Schmo 22, you know, whatever. Like, but they're not anymore. Right. Right. You know what I mean? I, so it's I, like I, this weird balancing. Now it's like, we have this new culture of people who have been living online for a long time, especially the newer right. generation who are now turning into adults, their online persona is them and then we have this right. older generation of people who are like bass the internet whatever like and then and then you've got the the kids who are literally starting their first year of school having to read and write emails because this is covid and everyone's yeah. doing remote learning so right. they are online for the majority of their their life at this point yes. and like i had this this conversation with a gentleman a few, a few oh gosh i guess it's been a month ago and he kept pointing out to me that 
I am not who I am online. I'm a different person when I'm online than I am when I'm offline because I separate those two things. And I look at it completely differently. Like me, me personally, I say I my personal life is my personal life and my online life is is different than that, but I'm still the same person. Yeah. I can be me in both of those situations. I don't have to be a fake person here and somebody different here. I'm not going to like work really hard to be a completely different person in both of those places and I can still separate them in in a way that protects me and protects the people around me. And then when you stop and you apply that to someone who is like say a a full-time streamer who streams for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, like how difficult because on top of that streaming they're doing all that and leveled you know this this is true like they have to do all of their going through their vods and making sure their clips are safe and doing creating their YouTube videos and making all of this and that and the other. So it's really really this like 20 hour a day job that they're spending in that person in that online persona trying to make sure that that content is acceptable for their audience and then you know like how do you separate that from who you are like you, you don't that is you that is who you are yeah. you are your online persona and if you're trying to be in in my personal opinion if you're trying to be somebody different or put on a face to um, satisfy something else, you're eventually going to stumble over that and and people are going to notice that and that's that's going to fall yeah. back on you. Yeah, we're in this weird transitional phase where we're kind of moving into technology at a very f like lightning fast pace where we're just moving into technology so quickly and it's integrating into every aspect of our life. And I think a lot of the things that are happening we're seeing online right now is just everybody trying to adapt quickly same thing with dmca same thing like mm -hmm. you know it's these laws in place to protect creators but it's now also hurting other creators and it's like nobody knows what the line is but companies are just going to take a hard line stance because why not it's it'll hurt their bottom line if they don't so it's like right but right. so everybody's in this weird gray area and it's just interesting how everybody's kind of navigating through it you know and i right. find it it's one thing that concerns me, uh, and Zion, I'm going to push this one to you because I, I want to get your idea on this one. Um, early on gaming used to be lots of small companies releasing games um, and then releasing them into stores. So they had these, these, you know, you didn't have these giant AAA production company or companies like Activision, Ubisoft, things like that. You didn't have these 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 money machines you had these small developers were able to talk to walmart and say hey i want to give you we were going to create x y amount of games and we're going to put it out here can you, can you sell us in your store so you had a lot of availability for games to uh do good or bad based on just the creative aspect of these small teams and then i would say a little bit before halo came out um Microsoft started eating up with these companies and so did other companies. Activision started getting bigger and Ubisoft started doing the same thing and Bethesda started getting bigger off their Skyrims. That wasn't Skyrim back then, but Morrowind started getting big. So they started eating up these little these little development teams that used to be independent companies started getting eating up now. And now you have these umbrella corporations in 2020 that are eating up the smaller talent, but then not letting them actually use their talent. It's kind of they're putting them into these molds, like a Ubisoft, like a like a like an Activision mold. And World of Warcraft seeing this a lot with Blizzard. Blizzard and Activision has been. I can get to, that's a whole other conversation. We'll say for another day. Um, but they they fired a lot of other people, and you can see that the new the older generation that made World of Warcraft popular in the first place has now left, 
And now you have this new generation of developers that are coming in that are just fitting to the mold rather than being able to work in their own environments. Do you do you have any games on that you can say that really have come from a small team that has done phenomenal or has really beaten the system? Um, top of my head, no, but I can... Uh, Talk about uh, No Man's Sky. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. That's a comeback story game, though, more yeah, so than anything. Yeah, the flop was, the, but but they. But you're right, though. They they came out with a game. It didn't do well on release, but they went back and they fixed it. And they're a small development team. But you've heard the story as to why it didn't execute uh, to the the extent that it was supposed to. Oh no! Please enlighten me. Yeah. Yeah, enlighten so, us. Okay, hold on. Before I don't, we I remember the exact timeline on this, it was maybe a year before the game was supposed to launch, you know, huh. a very small window. Um, their studio flooded out. They lost everything. Oh, no yeah. way. Yeah. So I never knew what, that. And, and so they, they, you know, they were in uh, Sony's pocket. Sony had the deadline being pushed, being pushed, being pushed. And they had to spit out what was ready after they quickly uh, reassembled everything. Right. Um, now, I, I've got my gripes with the whole situation, how it was handled. Sean Murray was opening his mouth way more than he should have been promising yep. way too much, especially with the circumstances. Like, let's maybe kind of like bring that down a notch if we know we're not going to execute to that level. So, like, there's there's things i can say about that but right. realistically um they were put in a, in a really rough position uh having lost and had that catastrophic uh hand dealt to them and uh it is nice to see that they made a uh, made a comeback they uh they stayed the course because let's be honest the internet was not being nice to their team whatsoever no. you know sean murray was pulling a lot of it on himself <laughs> but there there's some there was a lot of people on that team there i mean there is a lot of people on that team that definitely didn't deserve what was thrown to their direction and no. that's hard you know being in such a position a public position all eyes are on you uh your company was creating the next vision of video game interaction you know yeah. the, the next level of uh interaction uh that no other game had done uh up until that point you know the procedurally generated universe uh and, and that whole dream and uh to stay the course after having that pressure put on top of you that's impressive honestly to yeah. mm -hmm. to see that they stayed uh, focused on their their vision and executed upon it and uh, ultimately became heroes in the long run because the game that's out currently is phenomenal. Uh, they've released tons of free content over the years that uh, achieved on what their initial statements and public uh, press releases uh, said that they were going to accomplish, and then some. So right. that's, Sean, that's, I mean, that's an underdog story right there. That's, uh, true. that's uh, you know really nice to see. And I think ultimately that's where the innovation is going to come from in, in the industry. I think um, it's going to have to. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it's going to come out of FIFA 23. It's not coming. No, out, you know what I mean? It's not coming out of the Madden series. It's not coming out of Call of Duty 86. You know what I mean? It's like. How much can I you did, feed that dead horse, really? I did find a game that was developed by a small developer that actually blew up pretty well. Who? What? Uh, it used to be an actual, it was a tech demo, the first version of it. It's called Cube World. Oh, the first, Cube World. The I don't first know. Okay, I don't know. Of it, so the first version of it is developed by a guy named Wule and his wife, and that's it. Two people developed this okay. game. It's a Minecraft-like uh, RPG story, like crawler you make your there's four classes there's combat there's progression there's story stuff 
but a long, long time ago, this guy's been developing this game by himself with his wife for like seven years. Dang. And um, they've had it off and on where he'll just randomly post an update. I know you listen to Misfits, um, yeah. Swagger Souls. His He was a big fan of Wule, and he was actually oh. on like the short list to be getting notifications. He was at a party one night, and he talked about it on one of their podcasts. He He was at a party one night drunk and got the bling notification and didn't know if it was real or not of Wule said hey alpha's going live soon here's a play demo of this and everybody lost their minds he had he like <laughs> was drunk at a party going it told me i'm not seeing this is this real but <laughs> i can see that it, happening. Yeah. it was received pretty well from what i heard i didn't play it personally but it's on steam and supposedly had a pretty big blow up for two three four months yeah i mean the fact that i've heard of it says something yeah right <laughs> i mean so it's so weird because it's again it's this gray area because like for like i'm a huge i love bungie i have i've been a bungie fan for a long long time not because it, halo really introduced me to them but just their design principles i've done studies on, like not, i've done reports on them for school and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and just their design principles, their philosophy when it comes to gaming, what they've, what they created, um, and with the backing of Microsoft, what they were able to create in the Halo series. Um, but then when they got picked up with Act by Activision, their entire pricing model changed, their entire production value changed, their entire, it's like the soul of the company changed. And it's just, it's weird to see that these giant conglomerate companies that are beholden to to the market's whims and values they have investors they have to make more money and that doesn't allow for chances that's why we're seeing madden 28 and you know cod whatever right. those make money so if we because make a new one we make why more money fix it if it's already working it goes back to the big it goes back to the beginning of the podcast exactly. like no nobody's being innovative on what they're doing people are not being innovative on what they're doing because the model that they have already works and there's I think that this is something that Joe sees a little bit is that the experience of gaming in the gaming industry is the sales of experience. It's the sales of your own feelings. And it's that that is your product. Your product is the experience that people are having. And whether if you're not pushing out the quality, if you're pushing out quantity instead of quality, and if you're not pushing out that experience and making that experience something that is memorable, um, people are going to start dying off from it. Like, no, I'm not interested. That's part of the reason I'm not interested a lot of games i'm not hooked on games because i've been playing them for 40 years or because i've been playing the same you know like a, yeah sure i'll go back and play mario kart who wouldn't right, right. but that was that's my alley the yeah experience is there you get excited and you have fun and you get into it and that's why i think rpgs are are and and mmos all of these games you get in there and you have that experience with your friends and it's a shared experience and when you get into those open worlds and those shared worlds and then when you get into that competitive scene like you're sharing that feeling with your friends and with those around you and if companies don't start recognizing that in the gaming industry they're going to start dying off i mean yeah yes. sure i can sit and play nba you know 2k for hours on end don't don't play NBA. <laughs> no, we're not endorsing me, NBA right not, now. Do not play any of the recent 2Ks post like I think 19 or 20 because they're literally putting 
unskippable ads in the game. Really? Ew. It's insane! Yeah, the only thing I know is that I sat and watched a, one of my best friends play, and I don't know which one it was, but the fact that Shaq kept showing up at his house asking about fried chicken just drove me nuts. <laughs> I'm like, how are you here? Why is Shaq in your pad, bro? <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, that's the thing, is like, we're seeing companies, uh, and I... And I'll just go ahead and beat that dead horse real quick. Destiny yeah. 2. Um, but companies like, you know, 2K having unskippable ads. My uh microtransactions within every single game now. Mm-hmm. But now there's you know, there's ads, microtransactions, expansion packs, there's there's uh in-game items you can just buy for money. Uh World of Warcraft has an entire shop dedicated to just items you can buy for yeah, just even cash. Sea of Thieves has that. Yeah. But it, I understand the model of like having to grow, but it's like you got to build a value first. You can't just have that in the game because it's gonna, you know it's going to make you money. It's just such a shitty tactic to me, but it works. And so it's like as a company, I can't fault them. They're just trying to make throw, money. I want to throw something in real quick in regards to this conversation. Just something to, to ponder and think over. The price of video games hasn't increased in 15 years. This is true. Yeah. And now it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, we had this conversation with Yen. Uh, was it Yen or it was no before that? But anyways, we had this on the podcast before too. You're right. If the value's there, like I like Witcher three, we're talking about Witcher three about this. Like I would have paid more money for Witcher three. I mean, it's a fantastic game. There's no microtransactions. You told me when that game came out that I could buy Game of the Year for Blood and Wine and all of the other expansions for like twelve bucks on a Steam sale. Four years later, I would have called you crazy. Yeah. Uh, that game is like it's got such intrinsic value but then when you so i think but when you keep coming out with fifa 20 22 and it's literally a copy paste game like i'd pay 40 bucks for that but you know witcher 3 i'd pay 80 bucks 90 bucks because that's such an experience like we were talking about travada it's an experience like it's the experience it's that experience like you pay more for the experience like i go all right this is gonna put me weird but has anybody gone to like a cinebistro or anywhere where you watch a movie and you get a meal yeah dude it's more expensive but it's freaking awesome so uh, yeah it's the experience that you're paying for exactly dinner in a movie that's why the like the uh what the escape rooms are like became hella popular hella fast because yeah. it's that you're paying for that experience and it's a shared experience with the group that you go with exactly and- what the gaming industry needs to focus on in my opinion i mean like i can have those singular experiences right like on neo uh for example or uh ghost of tsushima amazing game amazing beautiful game and you can get in there and totally murder some people and it's an experience and it's Mm -hmm. fun and for a single player like yeah that's great because you're following that story and you have that expressiveness and the artwork is just beautiful um but then you go into like for me i can go into another game like skyrim and i'm like this is boring as hell (laughs) 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 one thing to consider too uh you know we're 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 very invested gamers here in this group you know we would spend you know eighty dollars ninety dollars for those experiences like a witcher Mm -hmm. but the average gamer which makes up a majority of the market share Mm -hmm. you know the the -hmm. average person out there who picks up a call of duty or a fifa and that's all they touch because that's what they've been used to that's what their buds play Mm -hmm. and they're happy with spending the same amount of money on that game every year 
uh, for the past 15 years, but you start to increase their baseline to $80, $90, $100, and they're not going to buy into that. You know, the, so. there, there's a yeah, right, no, not right. at all. And I think you got a point. As yeah. gamers, as as us who are so heavily invested into the innovation and the value within games, it, it, companies still need to have that baseline profit, and they're right. they're targeting their demographic, which is primarily those casual gamers. You know, they this are the true. majority shareholder within the the market. Uh, so I I look at micro transactions that are done well in a very positive light because that subsidizes mm. what should have been an increase in video game costs a long time ago right right yeah. i was paying six fifty sixty dollars for n64 cartridges and xbox games and uh it hasn't increased like i'm talking like the top level like you know triple a mm. game sixty dollars that's what you're you're gonna walk yeah. out the door with yeah. now what is sony uh increasing it to 70 for some of their uh first party games or something like that i think was yep. uh, yeah, discussed. It was 70, yeah. yeah it was like 70 or 80 for the most part it's staying 60 50 60 across the board with microsoft nintendo and whatnot yeah so when in when done in a healthy manner uh in a way that you know adds that value it doesn't add uh, a pay to win uh, component to it. I think microtransactions are a very healthy right. way to sustain, sustain the industry moving forward because truth be told, we we should be paying like 120 bucks now with cost yeah. of uh, living increases over the years. Like it should right. be much more expensive than it is. And that's, that's another thing to speak on as a society. It's like uh, there's no living wages out there uh, mm -hmm. in our country. You know, you look at the past few decades and proportionally, uh, the median salary of the average worker has not increased yeah. uh, mm -hmm. at the same level that cost of living and product product expenses has increased. Okay. So the corporations are making ridiculous amounts of money on the top end, but not proportionally sharing that down the ladder. Yeah, right. And I was going right. to say there for anybody who's listening or watching this on YouTube, just go. It's just statistically speaking, he's not. It's not a controversy. I've I've seen this as a controversy online. It's it's not. It's just it's not, it's literally facts. the numbers. <laughs> like those are li this is just the facts. Like <laughs> it just is what it is. It doesn't lie. Yeah. Well, so yeah. you know. I, I think that microtransactions, and I think Joe's got a really valid point with that, like uh, to, to take Sea Thieves, for example, people complain day in and day out about the microtransactions in Sea of Thieves and their Emporium. And it's kind of like, you know, the, yeah, so rarely, but yes, those those ancient coins are available in the game if you're lucky enough to find one. And yeah, it's, you know, like random spawn rate and some people run into them more than others and that's fine. But those anything that you purchase on those microtransactions in any game are voluntary right. and sure you can get cosmetics that are rare or that no one else will get or that might be time limited but again it, it goes back to that it's entirely voluntary and it's done so that you have the opportunity to make those purchases and so that the companies can make some money back from that not not making money from raising prices right you know like i have had more conversations with people that are wanting to know when certain games are going on sale because they can't afford to buy it otherwise than anything else and i think that that really like if you're that same person who's saying 
I can't afford to buy this game that I truly love and that I've been waiting for and, and I want to play it. And the fact that you can buy it at a cheaper price because someone else spent a little bit of money on microtransactions. Yeah, don't complain about the microtransactions. Yeah, They're helping you. The entire <laughs> free to play model would just evaporate overnight if there was mm -hmm. no microtransactions. I mean, you're allowing people to play a game because you know that some people are going to pay money, you know, and mm -hmm. they're going to probably get some edges that you don't have. Mm -hmm. But guess what? They paying the money for it. I mean, yeah, uh, Zion, you played Warframe for a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in Warframe, I remember they had you could get like the Rhino set, um, but it, I think they had drop rates like starting at 2 a.m. or something like, you know, yeah, you could, it was drop rates at like 2 a.m. And it was also like it was like a 0.6 per chance chance of the helmet and Jesus. the gauntlets spawning from like the spider boss on oh god i don't even remember what map it's on but it was it was not great you'd be better off just hunting the market for it with plat but yeah. you'd have to have the right amount of plat to be able to get said pieces mm -hmm. and because of the rarities they would be up there it'd be right. high price so you just you're better off now you're talking the about money. the prime version yeah yeah okay yeah, but that's the thing. You, you're just better off paying the money and rather than waking up at 2 a.m. I mean, it's in the game, technically. Yeah, we've, talk, we've talked about before where I have, I'm in the route of, I work a full-time construction job. I usually work 50 to 60 hours a week, except during the wintertime now that weather's affecting us and we're slowing down. Mm -hmm. So I can't do MMOs at the moment with my job because I can't time sync. So instead of pay to play, it's pay to catch up. Yeah. is my game style yeah. right now so if i want to invest say like genshin was a, a big one like i i sank a lot of hours into genshin but i also dropped a lot of money into genshin because a i enjoyed the game and b some of the characters are just broken like you can play yeah. the game with the stock characters and free to play is totally viable i won't say it's not viable but to get ahead of the game yeah when you when you're pushing you're hitting like AR 40, AR 45, and you're fighting level 70, 80, 90 bosses, and normal ads are just sponges. You're sitting there wailing on them for five minutes with normal characters. Or if you have a, like a max level D Luke with a gravestone, oh my God, you're just going to shred. Yeah. So you could, again, same thing we're talking about. It's like you can, I think now with games coming out, as long, I think I agree with you, Joe. I agree with you and Travada. I think we all in agreement here. As long as it's not pay to win then it's not a bad model. Right. It's, it's when companies start sneaking in that pay to win stuff. Or I what I really hate the most is the FOMO stuff. Oh, it's only in the shop for a month. You better put the money down. It's never coming back. You know, that that kind of that's that's a gamble. That's gambling. That's just mm -hmm. gambling. That's and I think that there's something to be said about the fine line and the difference between limited time and one time only. And yes. I, it, it, that's something that many, many people confuse. And I think, you know, like you have a marketing or business background, so you understand that, that that's those are two vastly different things. Yes, they are. And that's something that I hear a lot of is like, oh, well, that was limited time limited time is not the same as one time only so one time yes. only item means one time only if it says limited time it can be a limited time 15 different times yeah. if they want in like, the business world matter. this is the difference between a black friday sale and a seasonal item you know it's mm -hmm. coming back next mm -hmm. season but a black friday mm -hmm. sale is that day only yeah. that creates yeah. that that hype that fomo to buy something mm -hmm. that's what people will open their wallets to and it's usually a subpar item and that's something to keep in mind you're getting these microtransactions but is it really adding value to your game mm -hmm. at the end of the day yeah. is it really doing that
You know? Well, and I think that goes back to the experience because like in Sea of Thieves, there's no nothing that you purchase is going to make you better at the game or give you an advantage over anyone else. But I can show you the scars that are on my pirate from the Devil's Roar that I earned those scars. And True. that gives some experience and that gives something to my character True. that other people don't have and might ask about. There's a lot of cosmetics in the game that people will earn in various ways or, you know, some of them are paid because you get them like with the controller right. or with with a with a tabletop game or whatever that may be. And all of those, and regardless of what game it is, all of those things add to that experience and add to that conversation when you run into other people. Wow, look at those sales. I've never seen those before. Yeah, those are Sea of Champions sales, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that's come back full circle. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. If you guys are just joining us for the podcast, and that's towards the end right now, but uh, we have got Joe over here who runs Sea of Champions and Status Effect Company Co. It's at Status Effect Co, right? C-O? Correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. just want to double check. Um, they are an esports. What would you call yourself? Esports platform. Esports like sports production studio. Production, production studio. Production. And if you have not seen their production, you have to go see it. Like you should leave the podcast and go see it. Do it right Straight now. up badassery. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but guys, it's already been two hours. I told blue. just time. just as you promised. I told blue. you, dude. You just you get it. It's like a time warp. You get into the podcast and it's just like poof. Like, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And then, I know this is your first po first podcast, right? It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. It was an absolutely incredible experience. Thank you. Oh, no, no worries, man. Well, we're going to have you back on for sure. Cause I, just, I think, I feel like I've, I've, you guys are like a diamond that no one else knows about yet. But when you do hit the market <laughs> and everybody knows about you, I'm just glad I can be like, I knew him. I, I talked to that guy. Like, you know, like yeah. yes. Okay, I want to I want to plug some stuff. I want to plug some stuff. Let's uh tell us where we can find uh Joe, let's start with you. Where can we find you? Uh where is the best places to to see more Sea of Champions stuff and all of that? Plug away. Sea of Champions lives officially on Twitch uh under status effect twitch.tv/statuseffect. We are a partner channel. Uh so you can head over there and see all of our vods uh, and and hit that follow button to be alerted to any of our new broadcasts coming out in the near future. Uh we are also on YouTube, uh also Status Effect. A status effect across the board except for uh, Twitter. We get that CEO at the end there because uh some dude's been sitting on status effect for uh, ten years without using it. Sneaky. It's, it's, they haven't yeah. done a re-roll re -roll yet. Yeah, right. Not yet um and uh yeah uh we do have our website seafchampions.com if you uh are playing sea of thieves or interested in getting involved in any of those competitions we always announce on twitter and in our discord server uh whenever registrations go live so you are free to that discord uh, for you Appreciate that. There you Thank go. You, man. I'm fast. I'm and quick. Yeah, so, got fast fingers. I'm fast, man. <laughs> so basically, Twitter and Discord for the time being are the two hot items to uh, stay informed about what we're doing. Uh, we are uh, developing the Status Effect website uh, with some cool gotcha. systems. Uh, it's going to be a few months out. It's uh, a very ambitious uh, product that we're can looking you, to uh, can develop. You send me a beta? That's, that's, can I get like, a beta key, man? Come on. Heck yeah, dude. Damn. Actually, probably. <laughs> Give me two. We'll Give me one for Zion. Give me two. Give me two. 
<laughs> if we can convince Yin to get Sea of Thieves, I'll probably try to dip I, my toes I, in it. I'll tell you what, after Yin jumped into a chat the other day, I thought, like, I had not seen him that excited about a sandbox game ever. I know! <laughs> this is the Halo Lord himself. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need to get him in and just do some arena with him. Be like, I almost bought sot during that steam sale for like the autumn sale but oh. i bought a lot of different stuff during that sale so i was like eh, i feel I like can. give zion a year and he's gonna be at sea of champions trying to compete for those sales mm. man. Yeah. it's going down i've got my toes in too many different waters <laughs> he's way too many toes right now <laughs> I, yeah, I will I'm... say that the sea of thieves experience will be unlike any you've ever played before uh it is definitely one of those unique uh games that when you play it, you're going to walk away with stories that you wouldn't be able to find in other games. And, that, and that's on the same level of any uh, sandbox interaction, uh, social interaction game. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Uh, it's it's always a good time. Yeah, man. Okay. It's definitely constantly fun. evolving, constantly evolving. Absolutely. And Trivada, where can we find you? You my pirate lord, lordess, baroness. <laughs> what do we call you? Pirate lord. Hi, Bri. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitch, Twitch TV, X Trivata X. Uh, the X's are silent, but they're there because my they are. Oh, I just, I see. I just goofed that. I tried to see, type it look out. At, look at you go. Look at you go. I tried uh, to type it out. It didn't work. There you go. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's, that's the one yeah and uh i hang out there i hang out mostly in uh discord a lot not as much as i used to but we're we're in there uh definitely those are that's the place to go twitter mm -hmm. yep you got it i got you i Do got you i'm fast i can i can type i do I typing um <laughs> yep and if you guys are just joining on oh, we are ending the podcast it takes about two hours to do about two sometimes three depends we just rock and roll from there uh you can just find us it's easy enough just to go to leveledaf.com um, that's just my personal website, but I also post on YouTube and anywhere you listen. We're on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're everywhere. So it usually gets posted by Tuesday. So if you're listening at home, make sure you follow on Spotify and all that good stuff. Um, you can also just check me out on Twitter or join my Discord. So there's plenty of stuff you can do uh, or just follow here. Follow us on Twitch. You can't go wrong. Follow here. We're every Sunday, 2 p.m. We always have some new people, some fun stuff coming on. Uh, Zion, where can we find you, man? Uh, Twitch.tv, Zion Yeet. Uh, I'm trying to get better about keeping my schedule on Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. East or uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. Sorry, not Eastern. Hmm? Um, just because my work schedule, I usually come home and crash, so my only availability is really on the weekends. And uh, he's trying social media, so make sure to follow him on social media. I posted his Twitter down there, so go go follow him. Go. Do it. I'm trying to get it's him. Really, just a really just a, I'm going live more so than anything or yeah. following Great State and Futures shenanigans. Alright, everybody, if you're in chat, please go on to Twitter right now, if you have a Twitter, and just do hashtag Zion Yeet show us a nipple, and then we'll just go from there, okay? Let's just try something. <laughs> that happened, dude. No ever since, ever since the... Ever since the Yin, was it the Yin podcast or the Lady Brave yeah. one? They were trying to get me to do an OnlyFans and it ain't happening. Yeah! Hashtag Zion Yeet OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. We need a Zion only fans. Oh man. Well, I appreciate everybody. Thank you guys for coming out. And uh, we appreciate will see you guys right. very soon. Um, by the way, before I go, I'm going to don't go anywhere. I'm gonna make sure you both get a shirt. I'm I send everybody a shirt. So you guys are getting some shirts. So we'll rock and roll. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, man. Can't go wrong. So we'll see you guys later. You guys have a good one.